All right, welcome back, CBG Tribe. It's Coach Justin here. And we don't need no goddamn sponsors. We're just here to talk about nutrition, fitness, and everything else related. Today's podcast episode is all about the holidays, how to eat during the holidays and be mindful during the holidays. And we have our co-host Justine on as well as Tracy. And Tracy Tucker is a guest that we've had on in the past. And she is a one-on-one coach for FoodRx at CrossFit Syracuse. And she has her master's degree in exercise science from nutrition and wellness from Liberty University. She couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity and looks forward every day to helping clients become the best version of themselves and share with the public what this amazing community has to offer. And she does that all through her one-on-one coaching, just like CBG. So we love chatting with her and getting her perspective on how she works with clients. So today's holiday episode starts now. guys. What's up? Hello. Hey, so pumped to be back on again. Thank you so much for that intro. And I'm so pumped to be here. And we have a party of three this time with Justina. So it's exciting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of voices, but I love it. And uh, yeah, I thought we were supposed to drink like spiked eggnog on this podcast. <laughs> and then Tracy was like, I actually hate eggnog. Hardcore <laughs> hate eggnog. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not going to work. So Anyways, I think it's probably better that way because by the end of it, we would not know what the hell we were talking about. And I feel like it's a bit hypocritical to be drinking 5,000 calories of eggnog and then telling people how they should eat and drink during the holidays. So here we are. Anyways, uh, so a crazy change at for the CrossFit Games. They um, So I don't know if you guys read it or not, but... The way that you used to qualify for the CrossFit Games was either directly through the Open or through the sanctional events, like all over the world. They're in Japan and then all over the U.S. and in Canada and Mexico. And now they're going back to sort of almost like a pseudo-regionals format where you have to go to sanctionals in your specific location or area. And that's how you qualify through for the CrossFit Games. Hmm. So, like, I did not read about that. Yeah, that just came out with it, like, two days ago or yesterday implemented by Eric Rosa. So it's going to be interesting this year to see like, it's sort of like basically having regionals back, but they're not doing it at like a venue. They're doing it at like Wadapalooza is a place where people will qualify for, you know, a regional, but it's got to be people within that area, you know? Right. Yeah. I actually did read about that and I believe it's the top 200 in your, like whatever that area is. And I think there is going to be some type of a, like triple crown event where like if you win all like three out of three events or three uh, like sanctional type events, that gives you your ticket as well. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty crazy. And, and apparently they're going to they're sticking to their guns on this one. Eric Rosa seems pretty determined to keep this system sort of in place. So I guess we'll see what happens. I hope they have something inclusive for people all over the world, like they were doing sort of prior to where you can compete from like a particular country. And if you were the fittest in your country, you could also come and compete at the CrossFit Games and stuff. So still many questions unanswered, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool. It's something different, right? Like you said, it's just nice to 
to see what they came up with and how it works. Yeah, no, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about nutrition during the holidays. This is where people make grave mistakes when it comes to their nutrition. And it starts really with, you know, whether it's okay at all for people to eat high calorie palatable foods during the holidays, right? Like, is that okay? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody said something. Simple. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm like not used to the three-way, so I want to make sure I'm not going to interrupt anybody. <laughs> I love this question and just the topic alone. Like, I think it's really important to know, like, it's okay to eat high-calorie palatable food, foods all year round, not just at the holidays too. So, Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think what happens to a lot of people is they feel like they have to restrict themselves so much during the holidays that leading up to the holidays, they also have this mindset. And then when the holidays come, they're burnt out completely and either emotionally, psychologically, physically, possibly if they've been at some sort of caloric deficit for so long. And once they start getting a little taste of those highly palatable foods, as we know, it's hard to, when they're around and in plentiful amounts, to uh, not eat a whole bunch of them at one time and just simply have in moderation, right? So if you account for these highly palatable foods in some, in some way and understand that you're not going to lose all your progress, of course, we want everyone to have the most flexible dieting approach possible because that's what's going to allow you to stay sort of consistent. I think, honestly, the biggest component of this uh, during the holidays and even throughout the whole entire year is, and Tracy can attest to this, Justin, you can attest to this, is just being mindful, not only of what you're eating, how much you're eating, but also just simply how you're physically feeling. So pay attention to those hunger cues and simply if you're feeling satiated, then maybe hold off on a little bit and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think like this topic is really important because I think we, all of us here has probably worked with clients on different ranges with different goals and experience in, at play here. So if a big conversation I have with people around the holidays is like, if you think you can't go one day without logging or tracking or staying to plan like we have other things to address as well mm-hmm. <laughs> not just like what you're going to be eating that yeah. day right right um but i know you guys uh follow more of like the strictly like intrinsic eating style which i'm a fan of as well so i just have some clients that do log and track and things like that so yeah i think it's important to just kind of like mm-hmm. explain like I tell them every national holiday, I encourage not tracking or logging if they have been. Um, I also include your birthday in that because that should be like a national holiday for you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely. Yeah, Justina, you talked about this last time on a podcast too. Those sort of days, those refeed days, like right. where you're eating a higher caloric amount than you typically would, especially when you're sort of restricting your calories for so long. Science shows that there's sort of a, um, you know, a slight increase in metabolic rate since you're taking in more calories for that day. And that allows for a further weight loss and consistency and overall adherence uh, for clients yeah. and athletes, right? 
Yeah, exactly. For sure. And a lot of the times what we see specifically, like even Tracy for you, because you, I think, I don't even know anymore because it's been so long since I've been to CrossFit Syracuse, but you primarily work with like CrossFit athletes or people who do CrossFit, which is a highly intense workout every day. So people who do either HIIT workouts, CrossFit, pretty much any form of weightlifting plus cardio, you research has shown you need those refeed days. You need that caloric surplus in one meal to kind of shock our metabolism and our system that will help us gain that muscle and even gain that strength and increase our metabolism long-term. Yeah, and I think it's really like dependent on the client's goals, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I get that a lot that uh, I work with like CrossFitters because I work out of a CrossFit gym, but I actually have a pretty big spectrum of people looking for look, good health and longevity, some aesthetics, some performance, right? So we have to be able to like mold for that. But I think it's important, like you said, like implementing a refeed where needed. And I actually even like the idea too for specifically, I had a client for Halloween, like we didn't treat Halloween night as a refeed. I actually had her implement one piece of candy every single day leading up to Halloween for like the week, week or two before. Mm -hmm. And then that night came around and she maybe had like two pieces where normally every previous year it would be like the whole bowl that she's handing yeah. out, you know? And so sometimes even if, if you can't do it all on one night in like a on one meal situation, it's okay to like live that 80, 20 rule. Right. And kind of yeah. add in that little 20% where you need to, just so you don't feel like you're having like a binge episode when you're doing the refeed. Cause it shouldn't just be like, Oh, the wheels are off and I'm just going right. to like, you know, get after it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's all relative, right? So it depends one on goals and it also depends on like where someone's nutrition is coming from before they start working with you and how you could implement improvements and not necessarily perfection when it comes to some of these things. And I think the biggest issue, in my personal opinion, that people have during the holidays is that they're not mindful at all. So like take an example, like when you walk into a room and there's a buffet of food everywhere, everyone's talking and yelling and shouting and laughing. Like there's just so much sensory overload. Like, and when you have that sensory overload, it makes it extremely difficult to be mindful. Like, okay, should I put veggies on my plate? You know, who prepared this? What's in this? Does it have something that causes GI distress for me? Am I going to eat a second time today? You're not thinking about any of that shit. You're just thinking about like having a great time, like with your family. And you know, if that's the case and you want to use that refeed meal at that time so that you don't have to be mindful, awesome. But I think other people can start to become more mindful about their surroundings and doing things like Tracy, what you did with the candy. Like when you implemented that one piece of candy per day, they became more mindful because they had to think like, okay, I'm going to have one piece of candy, right? If they weren't being mindful, it was like, I can have candy. I can have whatever I want. And then before you know it, they eat a bunch of candy, which is what happens on Halloween night, right? They're not mindful at all about some of those things because the sensory overload and all these things happening around them just cloud their judgment when it comes to food. So I think that that's one thing that specifically a lot of people can work on if they're looking to be more mindful at a, a setting with a bunch of people and a bunch of food. It's like before you even walk in there, 
and you smell the food, you see the food, you're laughing with your friends, there's unlimited amounts of it, have a game plan, right? You're going to fail if you don't have the plan already. <laughs> right? Plan to fail, right? Yeah. So what are some mindful tips that some of you guys use to sort of negate some of these sort of almost, um, I guess, almost like from our ancestors, you know, some of our genetics show that we're basically inclined to eat as much highly palatable food at one time as possible so we can survive. How do you guys like sort of use other mindfulness tips to sort of get people back in a position where they can be better about this? I love that we're talking about this because it sounds like, I think, so simple to people. But like you said, there's so much going on sometimes. It really truthfully is a skill in itself. Like, I don't care who you are. (laughs) So one thing I definitely like to work on with clients is number one, like you said, having a plan, right? So like, if you know ahead of time, you're going to Thanksgiving dinner, right? We come up with ways to first strategically plan kind of around that meal for the day. So maybe it's like keeping breakfast the same and then only having the lean protein and vegetables at lunch, leaving more fats and carbs for dinner, and then also having something like a protein shake or a protein bar right before you leave to go to that dinner just so you don't go there with your eyeballs feeling huge. (laughs) I think that like little bit of Tetris gaming can kind of just make you feel like you're still on course. And then there's definitely like little things you can do while you're there. I love the simple trick of like simply putting your fork down in between bites and like, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting at a table with other people and really like engaging in conversation and just being aware of like your hunger cues, making sure your plate is like full of each macronutrient and a lot of micronutrients on there just to make sure that like your bases are covered. It's a real whole meal. And then you know, I also saw here you wrote like, you know, making sure you're, you give yourself a moment before going up for seconds. And if you're still mm-hmm. truly hungry, like go get it. But if you're not, like maybe just wait it out and see if those hunger cues kick back in. Yeah. But those are my main ones. I'm really a huge fan of a game plan and going in with at least, if you just go in with at least one or two goals, like sometimes I'll set like an alcohol goal or a water goal to an event for with clients just so that you should leave that event feeling successful and saying like, I stuck to plan with those two goals. You know, that's what I like want for people when they go to things like that. So Justine, I'm excited to hear what, what other tips you practice over there. (laughs) Well, I do, I do the exact same thing that you do, even like not only for my clients, but also for myself, what I try and really do with my clients is kind of make them know that I'm human too. I do those things that they do as well. So what I really do is I'm like, here's how what I do before Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. I will have my breakfast, like you said, Tracy, normal breakfast, normal lunch, also with veggies and lean protein. And then I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm going to love that stuffing. Mm -hmm. And my mom makes stuffing with pork in it. So it's very fat. I'm like, I'm going to have just a whole plate of stuffing and pork and then have my other macronutrients there. But I'm planning ahead for it. If I'm over a few measurements of macronutrients for that meal. So be it. It's going to be helpful in the long run. And I really try and make my clients personally, I want them to feel like, yes, you want to come out of that event, that holiday, knowing that you succeeded in any way, but also know that there's still room for growth. Because like we said in the beginning of this 
episode of the podcast that these things take time. Having these new eating habits take a long time. So it's just a learning process. And the longer we do it, the better we're going to get at. And that's what I try and tell my clients and even myself too. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the only one or two things I would add to that is like, uh, there's obviously like a lot of alcohol around the holidays and stuff. And when you drink alcohol, you're elevating hormones like leptin and ghrelin, which are associated with our, our hunger hormones, essentially, right? And that's going to cause you to eat more. So like you want to try to avoid alcohol, like on a completely empty stomach. So like Tracy said, if you're going to go to like an event or something like that, if you want to have like a protein shake, with like a decent amount of water in it, that can be extremely satiating before, you know, heading right there to wherever it is that you're going. And then, you know, really take your time chewing your food. Do you guys know about the raisin experiment? Have you guys ever heard of that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So it's part of the intuitive eating slash intrinsic eating methodology that people use to try to get people to be more mindful of food. And they tell you like, for five minutes straight, just like put the raisin in your mouth and like document how you're feeling about everything. Like, what does it feel like in your mouth? How do you feel about, you know, just overall, like just your body? Are you happy? Are you sad? Like, what's the texture like? What does it taste like? And then bite into it. And then eventually like you swallow it and you don't have to do it with the raisin. This is just like the example. And it seems really silly, but I think that when people get a plate of food in front of them, especially food that they may have not had in a really long time, they completely scarf it down, which is the exact opposite of enjoying it. So it's really easy to get distracted and not be mindful. So the raisin experiment is something that you can have clients do like on a weekly basis with one of their meals to make sure that they're eating slow and that they're digesting everything appropriately. And yeah, I would say that those are some great sort of tips. And then also, like I just told a client this today on the phone on my ride home is like check the entire like room for which foods it is that you're going to select from before you like you hop in the front of the line. Right. And then you start (laughs) putting all this stuff on your plate and then you get closer to the end. You're like, oh, shit, there's like five things actually at the end of this that I didn't even see. And I need these on my plate too. And then before you know it, you have seven or eight different courses on your plate. Your plate is stacked to the top and it's 15, 1200 to 1500 calories. So, you know, so like if you check the entire area first and decide like, okay, I actually, I know I need veggies. So that's where I'm going to get that from. And then, but I really, really, this is my treat. Like this is one of my favorite foods. I have to get that. I'm going to skip out on one of these two other things. So I don't really need that. And there you go. Like you have more of a balanced plate where your stomach is more full. And if you're being mindful, you know how you're feeling. And if you're feeling satiated and using those hunger cues before going back for seconds, that's like a huge win, right? For any, for, for myself, shit, if I, you know, if I could do that every time, then that would be, that would be huge. I like too how you touched on There's so much growth to be like learned and during the holiday season and, you know, family events and get togethers, like, you know, the range, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, you know, can you get through with putting like half your plate of veggies or can you get through only having two drinks? Like it can be just like showing up without a food scale and like 
just trying to like use your eyeballs for the first time if you if you haven't done that in a while and like trusting yourself and trusting your hunger cues, you know? And I just think that was important to mention too, because those things are so impactful and are what is gonna help you like stay in it in the long haul and learn how to do this like on your own without a coach, right? Yep. I also, this is kind of gonna, I guess it's kind of off topic, but even like for this year specifically, if we actually think about it, we, let's say we have like, I don't know, a group of 20 clients, right? Some of those clients may not even be going to family members' homes this year due to COVID. So I feel like this year specifically, trying to make the good with the bad in a way, like take this year for the holidays. If you're not going to spend that much time with a bunch of family members like usual because of COVID, maybe practice that, like what Tracy was saying, like practice not using your scale, practice just eyeballing things and see how you feel after that. Yeah, I agree completely. And then on top of that, like since people are doing a lot of things remotely, besides like some of the events and things like that, that people are either going to or not, you have to be mindful of the days that are not the holidays too, right? So like, this is like the holiday season. It's like every single day, it feels like a, like a holiday to some people, right? Just because like they have lots of more time off of work, they're home. And this is where, what we experienced with COVID too. People were home more often. They tend to be a little bit ravenous because they're around food all day in their home. And they didn't have a game plan when it came to what are they going to do to be more mindful about food. And if they did, they wouldn't have put on the five to 10 pounds during this last quarantine, which inevitably happened to a lot of people. So it's important to know like, okay, Thanksgiving just ended. Now what? Like, what do we need to do to sort of get back to a place where we're feeling good? Even if you made those mistakes during the holidays and didn't use some of these cues that were describing what the hell is next, right? And like, you have to get back to your routine, you know? So like exercise, for example, like just because like you decided, you know, you weren't going to eat a great meal, right? You were going to have that refeed meal and, you know, you're feeling a little bit down about it. You're feeling like, you know, that you're feeling guilty, let's say, right? Which you shouldn't, which we're trying to tell you why you shouldn't in this entire podcast, but let's say you do. It's not an excuse to decide to, oh, I'm going to skip the gym the next morning, or I'm not going to go to sleep at the right time, or I'm not going to balance or portion size any of like my other meals, you know? Right. Like, I think it's really important to just touch on really quick, like what makes people think they're ruining their plan? Maybe like just because I think there's this big perception, right? That like, oh, if I have the stuffing, that's bad. <laughs> and if I have the gravy on the mashed potatoes, the game plan's ruined. And it's like, let's just talk about this and realize that there are no labels associated, right? Usually just one food has more or less of something, right? So making room for that where appropriate. But if we kind of remove those labels, you can just see that you're still staying the course and I try to like explain to clients a lot of the time that maybe you needed to like go down that path and see what it was like, right? And what did we learn from that? Did we learn anything positive? Did we have any good takeaways? Like what can we implement next because of that? Absolutely. It's just all learning process. Exactly what you said. You know, I think people also have to understand like their why, you know, if you take it back to the goals part, like for some people, like they have so many events and so many things that they might be going to maybe they need to understand 
well, first they need to challenge their why and figure out like, okay, what is my why? And okay, that my why is to lose 10 pounds. All right. What are the behaviors that I need to do to model that why? Okay. Don't, so don't get fixated on the goal itself. Get fixated on the behaviors to get to that goal. And if it's unreasonable for you during the holidays to implement those behavioral changes to reach your goal, maybe you need to have that talk with your coach and say, look, Tracy, I actually just want to maintain my weight right now. I don't want to go in the wrong direction during the holidays. I'm not looking to actually lose any weight. And I think that realization is important for people too, right? And if it is to continue to lose weight, then we need to make sure that we're there for them to make those behavioral-based changes to get to their why. But if it's not, it's very important for the client athlete to have that sort of discussion with their coach. Right. What I also think too, let's say you do have a client who is still trying to lose weight, but they also want to enjoy their holiday like Thanksgiving coming up. I think it's also important as a coach and even as a client to just be mindful of like, let's say they have a huge Thanksgiving meal and then the next morning they get up and do their daily weighing on the scale. I think it's important as a coach to just consistently remind the client that your weight is never going to be truly indicative of your progress, especially around the holidays too. I love that topic, Justina, because I feel like I literally stress, like even with my own training or exercise or food, like we can't focus on the outcome. We have to be like process oriented or we're never going to make change. And like, because we don't have control over the outcome. You don't have the control over the, like, right. the scale, right? Like on uh, any given day and you don't have control over a leaderboard in your gym or anything like that. So if you, as long as you are always comparing yourself mm -hmm. to you and your effort, I, I mean, I ask clients every week to rate their effort now because it's just, it's, it's that important, yeah. right? I mean, and soon enough, like your effort will match up to get you to your goals. You know, it's just that the missing link there is the consistency to get there. So I think that when it comes to the scale itself, especially during the holidays, like one, you're likely having a lot of anti-inflammatory based foods or causing anti-inflammatory response in your body because maybe you haven't had that food in a while. Your body's like trying to figure out exactly how to process that certain food. It's also causing a little bit of water retention and other hormones like vasopressin and aldosterone to be released, right? Which is causing water weight. Look, if 3,500 calories is equal to one pound of body fat, right, and you gain five pounds in two weeks, that would mean you would have to take in, and that's a surplus, like 3,500 calories surplus over the, the maintenance level calories it is to maintain your body weight. That would be an insane amount of calories that you would have to take in to gain five pounds in two weeks. So... It's so, so much, much food, food right? <laughs> it's like, an, it's insane. 3,500 a day, 3,500 times seven, right? What is that? It's on top, it's on top of your maintenance. So 30, let's just do 3,500 times seven. Okay. 24,500 calories in a week. Okay. That's what you would Yum. need to take. That's what you would need to eat. Okay to gain five, five to seven pounds in one week mm -hmm. of true body fat. Yep. And just so people are clear on <laughs> top of your maintenance <laughs> calories, because I just want to put it out there. I'm at 3,500 right. calories right. a day, but it's not on right. top of 7, my maintenance. That would day. be like 
Yeah. Yeah. Seven thousand so a day. So seven thousand <laughs> times seven. What is that's forty nine thousand calories a week to gain five pounds of body fat. Look, folks, it ain't happening. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not happening. too much. Just a little bit. Yeah. So you're likely experiencing a lot of water weight. The body is really good at holding on to water, especially when you know you decide that you're going to have a food that you haven't had before or something that it's having trouble processing. It's a sort of a protective mechanism for the body. And then you also have glycogen, which is carbohydrates that are stored in our muscles. You're probably eating a lot more carbs than you're used to. You're 100% glycogen capacity, and that's causing your weight to be a little bit elevated. It is not all body fat. And I think that that's so important because what people think is, oh my gosh, the five pounds it took me four weeks to lose. I just gained it back in one week. I'm a failure. Fuck it. I'm just, I'm going forward and I'm not going back, you know? Yeah. Also, specifically, because I work with a lot of female clients and just for any female who listens to this podcast, know that we have so many hormonal differences from males, especially around our cycles. So I get almost every week with certain female clients that are just coming off of their cycle. Sorry, Justin. You're good. Little TMI. But <laughs> when they are just coming <laughs> off of their cycle, they're like, oh my God, I don't know how I gained five pounds this one week. I was like, well, where are you in your cycle? They go, oh, well, I'm just coming off of it. I was like, ding, 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 ding. Like, that's exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy how much it can fluctuate being a female. But I think it's really important First of all, ladies, you need to track your yes. cycle <laughs> out there. Free PSA for every female out there. It's your fifth vital sign. Yeah. Track it, please. <laughs> it's like terrifying when I get a client who don't, doesn't know where I they're know. at. And I'm like, oh boy. All right. Back to square one. And that's okay. Right. But um, definitely necessary just to have an understanding and awareness because, you know, you need to understand what happens to your body during certain days of the month or the, you know, week of the month. So. I think that's really, really important to touch on. Yeah, I agree. You guys won't even believe this shit. So yesterday, I was talking to Emily Abbott. She's a former CrossFit Games athlete. She's like an amazing person. And we were talking about this very topic, about women and their periods and how like it's almost like a biomarker for them, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to understand more about And I'm like sitting there like, oh my God, like I am doing my female clients a disservice. Not that I don't know, like I ask a lot of them. I ask all of them, like especially if there's any weight gain, like where they are in their cycle and things like that. The name of the podcast, it's probably not going to be this, but she used this phrase a lot, the power of the P word. Uh, she, she said it like 10 times on a podcast and it was, it was, like it was fucking song. awesome. Like, and she was talking to me about all these things and how to embrace like female athleticism and the female physio uh, physiology, especially when it comes to being an athlete. And she referred me over like so many resources, which I'm super grateful for, but she was talking about how there are so many differences between men and women and how that women need to start embracing some of these things, especially as it pertains to their training and utilizing it to fuel their training and be better at their training. And the more you understand your body during this time period or any time period in your menstrual cycle is inordinately helpful for understanding weight loss, for understanding your health, for understanding what you can be doing better in terms of your training and your coach should know this shit too, right? Like your training coach, your nutrition coach, they have to know this stuff. And yeah, it's weird. It's awkward. 
And, but once you get past that, you'll see that, you know, the benefits that your coach is going to be and the tips that your coach is going to be able to provide to you is only going to elevate you more as a female and as a person, right? I, I'll save you. The podcast is going to come out at some point. It was awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We should, we should come up with just a full on female podcast one day and just talk about solely that. <laughs> yeah. There's so many cool topics about that. Yeah. Like, you know, I've, I've read a little bit about, you know, programming your training around your cycle and then um, having a different set of macros for your cycle. And there's just like so much power to that to help. I think female athletes, not only with how they're like feeling during that time and their training, but also like the mental state, because <laughs> there might oh be certain <laughs> things you need, you're not able to do. Right. And it's like, Oh my God. Well, and it, you know, you don't know when you start, like, if you're lean more towards a perfectionist side, it's like, Oh, yeah. is it because I just didn't show up today? And it's like, well, you've got quite a few things going on, <laughs> you know? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, they're just different hormones between men and women and it's foolish to continue to give men and women the same exact training without taking into consideration because you can, you know, start to get to a position where, you know, you're seeing better adaptations in the female physiology because you're structuring your nutrition better around your cycle and your hormones specifically. And we talked a lot about birth control and, you know, obviously there are some advantages regarding it, but there are also a lot of disadvantages, especially when it comes to athletic performance. So that was like also crazy. So I'm obviously no expert. And I was sitting there just like in total, I was blown away. She was so, you know, just helpful. And like, it was just a great overall podcast and really like opened my eyes to like a whole new world. Not because I don't feel like I don't know women as people, but when it comes down to some of these things, such as hormonal birth control and, you know, your period and the, the experience of all of it and how to start lining that up. I think we're just scraping the surface of this for women in the next 5, 10, 15 years as yeah. in regards to athletic, especially with all these CrossFit women coming out now and stuff. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. But even historically... I know we're getting kind of off topic from what our podcast was originally about, but I do want to, I do it's want important to for this. women to know though. Yeah. yeah. Like historically, I remember when I was in grad school, I would take all these classes and I'll never forget. It's going to be engraved in my brain forever. Now my professor who has been a molecular physiologist since she graduated college, whenever she said, scientists are afraid to do research on the female physiology because they know it's going to be so much more complicated than the male physiology. And I think that will always stick in my brain because it's a necessity. We need to know about the female physiology, not only to help with athletic performance and just overall health, but also to decrease risk to a lot of female driven diseases and cancers. So it's such a necessity in the whole realm of health and athleticism and performance. I love that you brought that up. I was literally just having a conversation <laughs> with someone about, you know, I get asked a lot about intermittent fasting, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, let's bring it back to research here. And the most recent studies have yet to be done on women. So you're a oh, female and I'm not going to yep. recommend it to you. We are not tiny men, <laughs> unfortunately. Exactly. So once there's some more studies done to, on the female body to give us a little bit more direction, you know, then we can talk about it. 
<laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Emily said the same, same thing yesterday that females are not tiny men. And, uh, that really like resonated with me a lot, not because I think people subconsciously kind of think that because everything is sort of done in concert between men and women, but we're actually so different in our own sort of unique ways. So I think it's important, obviously, to tie it sort of back to the original podcast about holiday eating that like, it's important for women to know these things, especially when it comes to their weight. And if they have emotions around the scale and the way that they're looking, they should know that at the end of the day, they haven't lost all their progress and it's not a bunch of body fat that they put on. And yeah, I mean, basically, I would love to wrap this up just saying like, get rid of the guilt, you know, like this, if you're working with a coach, like you're building lifestyle habits that are going to pay off like six months, one year, two years down the road, whether you're working with that coach anymore or not, because you're going to know how to be your own nutrition coach. And there are no good or bad foods, just have things in moderation, be mindful. So eat the fucking candy or don't eat the candy. Just like be mindful in whatever decision that you're making and whatever decision you're going to make next. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I could have said it any better. Yeah. So nicely done. I yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, how I think, what we've been trying to summarize this entire time, obviously giving like key tips for people that seem so simple, but yet people aren't doing them because they're blinded by just all the shit out there when it comes to nutrition information and stuff. You don't have to complicate it. We have studied this stuff and we've been working with clients for so long so that we can simplify it for you. So that's really my tips for holiday eating. Tracy, I do want people to be able to contact you if they can find you. So would you want to give us some of your information? Absolutely. So my Instagram handle is Tracy Tucker underscore CFS. And then my email address is probably the best way to contact me. It's Tracy at Syracuse It's a new name change. So just be on the lookout for that. Also, if you visit our website, my bio is right on there. Contact information again. Anyone interested in one-on-one FoodRx nutrition coaching is given a free initial consultation, a 20-minute phone call. So it, don't, it doesn't have to be um, in the same area as me. I'm happy to work remotely. So anyone interested just hearing more about my coaching style and what we have to offer here, feel free to shoot me an email and we'll get you set up for a phone call. Any beeper number, facts? <laughs> no, no. All social media. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, and you can definitely, uh, yeah, definitely contact Tracy if you're looking to, you know, work with her during the holidays. And you could also work with us at CBG Online Sports. Me and Justina can be found through at Instagram on at CBG underscore online underscore sports, or you can email us at consistencybreedsgrowth at gmail.com. Science.